Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to the Red Wave Report, the official free podcast for TheBarkBoard.com. Your one-stop shop for all your Fresno State recruiting news. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show hosts and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Red Wave Report. My name is Lucio, your host slash producer of the show. And, well, today I have everybody on the show today. I'm not all by myself. So, without further ado... It's none other than Mr. Josh Webb himself. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another fine feathered edition of the Bulldog Blast uh, Red Wave Report. Doesn't really matter what you want to call it. Football is here. (laughs) And as always, I am joined by my esteemed colleague, Jackson Moore, to discuss football. Yeah, it's uh, good to be back on the podcast. How are you guys doing? I'm doing pretty well. It's always exciting to have you back, as people can probably tell you are uh, you're driving. <laughs> yeah, it, Hands free, though. yeah. You just <laughs> we're just gonna we're gonna work with the uh, Jackson the best we can. He is driving home from his job, so he wanted to join us. So you know there will be some car sounds behind him, but I'm pretty sure everybody will be okay with that. Well, uh, Jackson, let's go ahead and get right into it today. Um, why don't you tell us uh, what you saw the first couple days out there at practice? Well, yeah, it was just nice to be out there and just see some of the new guys, the guys we've been interviewing throughout high school and junior college that are finally with the team in, the, in camp. Uh, it's just pretty evident just from watching the guys walk down the ramp into the practice field. They have a ramp over there, too. Um this team put in some work this off season. There's a lot of guys that didn't look all that impressive in the spring. were looking pretty strong coming into camp. Uh, Zach Greenlee reinforced that the team's been working hard this uh, off season, and uh, he felt like he really stepped up his work in the off season, just uh, throwing with the guys throughout the summer. And so a lot of guys uh, just looking really good and probably. Uh, None other than Micah St. Andrews, uh, who actually went the opposite way than most guys were going. He went from being big to trying to get down his weight from over 400 to down down to 327. He's a guy that went from a walk-on last year that I don't think anyone took seriously to being a potential starter as a redshirt freshman. I mean, there's just quite a few examples of guys, and it's going to start showing itself in this first week or so of fall camp. And before we sort of jump into to who did what and, and how good everybody looked, um, I just want to say that uh, uh, B- Garrison was out there today, right? I mean, that's that's the good news, is now there are four, correct? Oh, uh, four Childress? I uh, guess, excuse me, I'm sorry, Childress. You know, those WVU yeah, guys, I um, mix them up. <laughs> 
Yeah, Childress, uh, he's out there, but he's not cleared yet, which is an odd one because uh, we usually hear this issue from true freshmen who I believe aren't allowed to practice until they're cleared. But uh, I guess since uh, Ford's been in the NCAA once before, this is an issue where he can practice and uh, the coaches will just cross their fingers that everything will get settled before uh, September 3rd. And uh, what's the latest that we're hearing on that situation? Like, what what do the Bulldogs, or rather, what do you realistically expect out of Childress? And then we'll sort of get into what you saw out of the quarterbacks. Uh, uh, I haven't gotten to see him do much yet, but uh, just want to make sure his arm is is up to par. The pectoral muscles injury is not holding him back at all. Um, outside of that, I, I mean, as long as it's all good, I imagine he'll come in and and be right in with the other three guys. Uh, I watched the, the first three uh, on Thursday, and uh, while physically they've all shown improvements, uh, it seemed like they were a little bit rusty on day one, uh, a few bad habits. They were kind of practicing in the first few drills that need to get worked out, and uh, it's going to take some time still before they, they get anywhere close to naming a starter, that's for sure. And, you know, there's... I, I do want to get into the, the, the sort of specifics of, of what is going to go on with the quarterback competition. Uh, but I, I first want to sort of get into what you believe is going to happen with the quarterback race. Uh, do you think that we're going to see something like we saw last year uh, where uh, the guys will be battling it out uh, headed somewhat into the season? Or do you think that Fresno State will have an established starter this time around? Yeah, I'd be surprised if we saw an established starter before the first uh, game of the season. And well, all we have to base off this coaching staff is what they did last year. Um, we know DeRuiter's a defensive guy, so uh, I don't know if necessarily uh, naming a starting quarterback is going to be as big of a priority as, say, if you had a, an offensive head coach that wanted to get that squared away right away. Uh, it just seems like they want to put in the guy that is going to take care of the ball the best, and if they have to go through some trial and error for a few weeks based off what happened last season, then that's what's going to happen. Um, we haven't heard otherwise yet. I think they want to have an idea of who that number one guy is about a week or two weeks and a half before the first game, but he probably won't tell us who it is. And uh, based on what you're seeing, and I know it's like day one, day two, but uh, what are you seeing out of the quarterback so far? Well, uh, Jason Virgil's put on about 20 pounds, it sounds like, but he's still clearly a bit thinner. Uh, he's listed about 30 pounds lighter than Greenlee and Anderson. Uh, we've had heard some noise, and I've heard some other members of the media say they had heard some noise around Chase and having a good off season, and that makes me believe that he's closer in this thing than we realized in the spring, at least. But uh, no, no one really stood out in the first few days. Uh, you think Greenlee's uh, strength or his uh, experience is going to be what maybe gives him a, a step ahead, but. Yeah, at least on the field, but no one really stood out to me the first day or two. Now, uh, I've heard a lot of those same things you have, and before we sort of get into the rest of practice, I want to spend about five minutes just talking about the quarterbacks real quick. Uh, you know, there, there, there seems to be some concern 
that that maybe these guys aren't quite developing the way that 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 they should uh, in terms of uh, not I mean physically and mentally they're they're fine but 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 the on the field progression is something that people have brought up as a concern that the guys seem to be growing in, in all those other areas that you tick off and say okay there's obviously uh, learning taking place here. But when it comes down to understanding what's going on on the field, these guys come up short. Where are we at? Last year, that was a problem. I know you and I watched Greenlee, couldn't even complete the simplest of routes, even when the route was the same from the play before and he was told to run it back. The strides that Greenlee's made have obviously uh, been many. Um, Where are all of these guys at compared to this time last year with regard to that on the field learning progression that you want to see? Well, I think it's definitely improved and you've heard it from Druder, at least what he's been saying lately is that this last spring was night and day from the previous spring where we saw uh, Burrell and Greenlee and I believe it was McDade at the time or Kinnett uh, hadn't come in, Anderson hadn't come in and it was really concerning the this level of talent at quarterback, uh, so much so that they went out and brought in Kinnett and things ended up working out differently. But this last spring, they felt a little more confident about the quarterbacks, and then going into this fall, I think it's carried over. It's still concerning that no one's really standing out, and it's tough to tell if there's a complete lack of talent or if the guys are all pretty solid. There's no one's been able to, to kind of make the push ahead of the other two. And, I read a post from Harry, and I kind of I kind of agreed with what he said. They've recruited too much talent to to be in a problem where they can't find a starter, and I think the problem is you've got three guys who haven't been given reps or an opportunity to be given the reps yet until this past spring, and just until someone gets the nod for a first or a second team spot and gets a, a good amount of reps for an extended amount of time, it's going to take a while for those skills to develop and to learn the offense the way they need to. Yeah, and, and you certainly feel like there, there's going to be a lot more progression about the midway point of these fall camps. Um, so with that in mind, let's look at some of the other positions around the quarterback that ought to, in theory, make their jobs easier this year. Um, what are you seeing out of the receivers uh, and the running backs early? Yeah, we left spring kind of concerned there, too, because not an issue with maybe the starting level of talent, but the depth behind it was so limited with uh, everyone that left behind Martez Waller and then the receiving group losing Delvon Hardaway, that group was pretty thin in the spring already without him getting hurt. But the additions they've made, I think are going to be huge. Uh, Dustin Garrison, especially at running back, he looks pretty talented. Like he's just smooth. He's got his game polished pretty well and as he should at this stage in his career coming out of West Virginia. I think he'll be a pretty significant part of this offense. Uh, it's huge behind Martez Waller just because if something were to happen to Waller, I think this offense would be in big trouble. And those eases are kind of put uh, the, those concerns are kind of put at ease with a guy like Garrison behind them and uh, Meissenheimer. I'm sure is going to play quite a bit, but in a kind of a situational role. And then at the receivers, again, big uh, additions with uh, Josiah Blandon. I think that's huge. He's a big guy and at six four. Uh, some even listed at 6'5". I was kind of concerned with his size. He looked really thin, and 
it looks like this offseason he's put on quite a bit of weight. He's listed at 215, and he looks pretty solid. Uh, right up in there with the first and second team groups already, which a lot of the newcomers, they kind of get eased in, but he's been thrown in there right away. I believe they expect big things out of him. Uh, paired with Keyshawn Johnson, I think those are two solid starters on the outside, and once Bovon comes back, it'll be pretty solid there too. Aaron Peck, I'm sure will get his chance, but he's going to have to take advantage of it. He's not going to have as many opportunities with the depth they have now. And then in the slots, it all comes down to how these younger guys perform. Chad Olson's put on some weight so they can depend on him some more. And then you've got Keon Williams and Jameer Jordan, who have now been in the program for a year and have pretty big expectations with their speed. Uh, I've seen it in practice, but we want to see it in the games. And if they can be consistent guys, I think they, they kind of provide that threat they had with Isaiah Burst that can take a, a short pass and turn it into something big where they didn't have that quite last year with Greg Watson. He's just a different kind of receiver in the slot. Yeah, and I had written a little bit about that, which, you know, I, I kind of want to talk about with you for a little. I, I thought it was interesting at Mountain West Media Days uh, that the vast majority of the pundits had San Diego State uh, picked to represent the West in the West Division. And as I'm sitting there going over the list of San Diego State's options, and you and I both remember how bad they were on offense that, when they came to Bulldog Stadium last year, but... Uh, Man, it, we know how good Pumphrey is, but in that same vein, doesn't it feel like if something happens to Pumphrey, San Diego State's offense is crippled in a way that Fresno State's wouldn't be? Yeah, I think so. I think Pumphrey is, well, I mean, it's kind of the same situation as Waller, but uh, with their offense, I think Pumphrey is maybe a little more. I mean, they've given. But they don't really carry, have so. any backups. They don't. They they have one yeah. solid backup. Like at least Fresno State has two theoretical backups. Yeah, and that's what's going to be interesting to see because I feel like Rocky Long's just kind of. I mean, I don't know. He's more of a defensive guy, but that San Diego State offense for the last several years has kind of pumped out this really strong offense that is dedicated to their power attack and. They're getting uh, physical, aggressive players that fit the system, but I don't think it gets them over the edge until they get a quarterback that can put them over the edge. And uh, I don't know what their situation is right now. If it's going to be that freshman that started in Fresno State, he's obviously going to have a long way to go to take San Diego State to the heights they want to reach. Um, but Quinn Kaler, the last, the starter of the last two years, uh, I believe was a walk-on, so he filled in nicely, but they really need – a really good quarterback to get things going to the next level where they can top Fresno State. I don't know if they have that or not. Yeah, and, 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 and really what I find interesting, and I, and I didn't realize this stuff until I was going over all the measurables, but when you look at San Diego State, if you look at the stuff that they brought in, uh, uh, they go out and, and, and they get a guy in, in Deshaun Holmes who's meant to provide that instant impact into their offense. Now, Fresno State had the chance to recruit Deshaun Holmes, opted not to uh, because of the grade issues, and instead kept circling, kept circling, kept circling, landed on Josiah Blandon, and then, as a bonus, wind up getting L.J. Reed from UCLA, who... By all rights necessary, I've been told, is as ready as any freshman that will come in. Um, all of a sudden, doesn't it feel like all the crap that San Diego State went out to address on their squad, they whiffed 
and in some ways Fresno State doubled down on. Like, Fresno State needed a guy to spell out Waller. They ended up getting two, you know? Uh, <laughs> they they didn't really need another quarterback. They got one. Um, they, and it was a four-star. Uh, they needed one receiver. They ended up getting two really solid receivers. So I, I just feel like these areas of need that San Diego State wanted – ended up being addressed at Fresno. Yeah, Fresno State, I think, got really good at the post-signing day uh, choices just because I think a year ago, Coach Reuter and staff, they kind of dipped their toe in the pool and, and grabbed a couple guys, and I think they realized what could happen if they waited again this year. And then this year, they just dove in head first. They got quite a few big gets. They, they had plenty of scholarships, and we saw a signing day announcement about, I believe, 17 guys, and it was clear they had more scholarships available than that, and they made really good use out of them at several positions. And we were scratching our heads, too. Yeah, We were scratching our heads. I mean, to to, to be fair on that, though, I still, and I think you addressed this in one of your pieces, uh, I still don't feel like they addressed that defensive line position, but I'll be damned if they didn't address everything else that were like, all right, so where's the receiver? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and we saw uh, on Thursday, we saw two defensive linemen kind of get thrown in there, two uh, junior college pickups with uh, Pat Bellany and Nick Christoffers, or believe his name. <laughs> uh, Nick was on the second team, a defensive end. Bellany, I believe, will be soon on the second team as well. And those aren't guys that maybe, well, possibly, they could be guys that end up starting, but I think they're going to be more guys that give depth and versatility to this defensive line that I really think is only three, maybe four deep out of spring. And that certainly presents some cause for concern with that defensive line uh, on Fresno. And as I look at that, that I'm curious because you, you like the depth that's there. But off the starting line, that the, the first team defensive line that you saw, I believe it's Madsen, Hunt, and uh, who was the other guy? Claudel Lewis. Yes, Claudel Lewis. Thank you. Um, what were you seeing out of that? What kind of push? Uh, and I know, again, it's only the first day, but, but what kind of push were you seeing those guys get? Uh, or do you still come away saying the linebackers are going to have to have a big year? Yeah, I mean, I'm not totally sold on that group of three. I really like Todd Hunt. I don't know if he's developed quite as high as I thought his ceiling was, but I think he's certainly the best defensive lineman of those three. I think physically, Claudel Lewis is everything we could hope for at defensive line, but he's he was a late bloomer to football. He didn't really get into it till I believe, uh, last year of high school or junior college. I mean, he doesn't quite know the game as well as uh, most seniors would, so that's the, the challenge there. And Nate Madsen's still a young guy, but a really big body, and he's got some experience. I just don't know how the nose is going to work out. Uh, he might be better at the end, but if they need him at nose, and he seems to be their best option unless Pat Bellamy comes in and could maybe spell sometimes where Madsen goes to end, that's where I think Bellamy's going to be big is uh, moving guys around where they fit best. Now, I want to talk about what's going to be backing up that, that defensive line, and that's that linebacking core. Now, again, going back to the San Diego State thing, the Darlings pick San Diego State to, to represent the West, but they lost three out of their f- top four linebackers. 
uh, for a team that largely bases out of a 3-3-5, I guess that's not so huge. Uh, but at the same time, that's three out of your three linebackers, at least. Um, so w when you're looking at the linebacking core uh, of San Diego State versus now, what I think, and, and I guess this is kind of a knock on Mickelson, but it's not because I love him, but... I, I feel like the, 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 that inside linebacker position got better when he graduated. Um, I, I, I just I feel like his game is maybe suited to a different defense. And, and, and I feel like what's needed in this defense is now there at those inside linebacker spots. Uh, with the relative experience of those outside linebackers and a healthy Edirine, how do you see this group versus SDSU's? Yeah, first of all, the outside linebacker group is awesome right now. In my opinion, you got Ezra, you've got Brandon Hughes. Well, maybe Hughes hasn't 100% earned his, his status as like a big-time Mountain West starting linebacker, but he's got a ton of experience, and he's certainly skilled. He should, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen this year. And then you've got Tobeno Okeke and Justin Green, who are going to be sophomores, and they're ready. they they're pretty talented outside linebackers, especially Tobena uh, with his size. Uh, Justin Green's kind of caught up in that department, so he's not too big of a liability there. Um, looking on the inside, uh, Xavier Lutu is injured right now. That one caught me by surprise. He doesn't look too serious. He's got kind of a mid or a halfway walking boot kind of thing. He's been working out, but I think he would be the starter at inside linebacker taking Nicholson's spot. For now, it's Jeff Camilli. Uh, he was dealt with injury issues in his own right, uh, but he seems to be okay right now. And then uh, we'll see how Michael Lazarus, uh, Robert's family, and Nello Ticolo, uh, how they develop in this fall and see if they crack into the rotation. Yeah, talk to me about Nella. You, you talked about his height, but said that it wasn't an impact or it wasn't a factor at all. Uh, and I noticed that Nella's already, at least in the first couple of practices, there on the two deep. Um, what kind of an impact can that can that kid have? Was he that ready coming out of Gorman? Yeah, I mean, he looks short, but it's relative. I mean, you put him next to Robert Stanley. He's one of the tallest, longest linebackers on the team. Yeah, he's going to look short, but... I believe he came in at 5'11", which by Fresno State linebacker standards is, is on the shorter side. Uh, I think 5'11 is certainly not going to write him off as a Mountain West player, though. And he also came in at 234. I got a shot in the photo gallery. He's got a huge arm, <laughs> the way the, the picture was taken. But uh, I think he'll be in the mix for sure, With at least within those. I don't see him getting redshirted, at least, uh, one way or another. Uh, even if it's not a significant role, I see him on the field in, in some capacity. Now, uh, that inside linebacker spot, in my opinion, is pretty jammed up and, and, and chock full of talent. But I want to know what kind of a year you think Edirine is going to have. Because after a breakout year in 2013, injuries really, I think, stifled his progression in 2014. And you could sort of see it on his face as the season wore on. Uh, Edirine was frustrated that he wasn't able to contribute more. I don't, I don't, I, I don't think he was his usual self last year. And I think you could see it in press conferences. I could think you could see it after practices. This is a guy that's used to just loving life, flying around, having fun. And, and, and I, and I really, and I believe this 
truthfully. I, I believe that the injury uh, sort of affected all of that and didn't let him play how he wanted to play, and that in turn sort of affected a lot of other things. That's not to say he let, you know, mentally he wasn't there. He was. I just, I think physically his body wasn't letting him do what mentally he knew he was physically capable of doing when healthy and physically could do on a regular basis otherwise. Uh, where do you come down on that? I, I mean, is Adirine ready to take that next step this year? Well, certainly laid down on him last year, and it became more evident towards the last month or two of the season whether he was attended to almost at least once a game with just the shoulders uh, having to be popped in or whatever they were doing. Um I talked to him over the summer, and he said he felt like he was about 80% ready, and, and now he says he feels 100%, and if that's the case, we should see everything we saw out of him in 2013, and that would mean big things for this defense. It's like, well, just by that alone, you have a big improvement at one of the outside linebacker spots, his own, and adding in the depth behind them, I think they're in solid shape at outside linebacker, and he should lead that group for sure. And then on the inside, you've got a lot of talent. You just need to make sure you find one guy that stands out above the rest, along with Kyrie Wilson. That's a pretty solid group there. Uh, defensive line and defensive back might be a concern, but hopefully the linebackers can hold it down if, if there's some uh, learning curve with the other two groups in the first month or so. Now, there was initially some possible talk of, uh, of maybe a move for one of, the, one of Fresno's bigger, better athletes, and that's uh, Kyle Rittering. What are you hearing on that, and are they going to keep him at tight end? Well, at least for the first day, they had him with the first team at tight end. And, uh, I mean, that, that seemed to be the plan in the spring, too, have Rittering and Olsen in a package where they can play him as a receiver or a tight end. Uh, same with Olsen. And the idea there is that they can go from four wide to five wide to tight with two tight ends or do some sort of power. And that would allow them to do different formations and not let the defense substitute to match the personnel because if you substitute, the defense gets to substitute. Um, I think they're going to hold on to that, at least from what I saw Thursday. That was, I think they're going to keep that plan. Um, and then... But for me, I don't know if I'm necessarily a big fan of it because Rittering's a richer freshman. I haven't really seen anything that makes him really stand out as a tight end or a receiver. So we'll have to we'll have to prove that to me. And uh, kind of the same with Meissenheimer, the same idea out of the running back to receiver. But I don't know if those two guys are the dynamic athletes that can make that uh, theory work. And I'd also, you know, I, I, I mean – when you talk about the speed issue, because this is a team that likes to move, 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 move. When you look at that tight end position, uh, you know, David and and, and uh, yeah, we're just talking about it. But David and Kyle are, are, are the two guys, that, in my opinion, are, are easily the slowest. Uh, Chad Olson is a guy that uh, is already cemented as a starter. We've seen what he can do. Uh, I, and I think that his future is very, very bright. Um, you obviously got a, a young guy in Jared Rice uh, who can come in and is extraordinarily talented, uh, but he'd probably get knocked off the line right now by even a Mountain yeah. West defensive end. Uh, he's about 25, 30 pounds too light to, to, to really get in there. Um, 
if you had where where do you see uh, Kyle or David Speed factoring in into what this offense likes to do? Yeah, I'm not sure we'll see much of David Rice. Uh, he only weighed in at 215 to start camp, and he looks really, really thin coming down the ramp. He's walking with the quarterbacks, and I thought, hey, who's that new quarterback? <laughs> um, looking at uh, Rittering, we'll have to see what exactly he brings. I was talking about David Tangipa. Oh, yeah. Well, he was a walk-on last year mm-hmm. who um, – oh, Justin Rice, yeah. Um Jared Rice. No, um, Justin, Justin. Yeah. I was like, Justin. Yeah. There's too many yeah. damn Rices, man. <laughs> Family's um, too athletic. Yeah, we'll see if, if he becomes a factor. Um, I haven't seen too much of him myself just because last year he was a, a walk-on and he came in late and he was just learning the playbook, so he didn't really even get into practice. And in the spring, he was just kind of overshadowed by the two tight ends in front of him, uh, rittering. He was a high school offensive lineman, but hes you can definitely tell he's got an athletic build. I just don't really see any top-end speed out of him, but he is a guy that's a big target and can get in the middle of the field and catch some balls for sure. Yeah, and I, you know, I think it would be interesting to see if they do look at moving him maybe as a defensive end as, as the year goes on. I think if this were a 4-3, I think Rittering is a guy that you might look at and say, okay, we're, we're going to go ahead and make that move and either put you as a left side or a right side defensive end. Um, I, I think he's he's got the athleticism. I think he's got the length. And I think he's, he, you know, he's he's good enough. Like, you're not asking him to cover a large amount of distance as a defensive end. You're asking him to shuck a block and tackle the quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not sure uh, in a 3-4 if, if he's necessarily a 3-4 defensive end. Moving more towards that same position, but on the offensive side of the ball, how do you like the line this year? Because my big problem with Fafita last year, and he'll return cementing as the as the left tackle there. Um, and for those who who haven't been able to check out the board for the first team offensive line, uh, we've got Fafita at left tackle, Aaron Mitchell at left guard, uh, Bo Bonheim at center. You have Micah St. Andrews there. Uh, as Jackson talked about him a little bit earlier, right guard, and then Justin Northern over there at the right tackle spot. So. Uh, a decent shakeup on the offensive line, but not a terrible shakeup at the same time. Uh, Fafita will remain there at that left tackle spot, which in my opinion, I think was a weak link for Fresno last year. Um, I, me asking you, how did Fafita keep his job? <laughs> well, I, he may have not done the best job, but I think he was the best they had at the position and, he was, I believe, selected to the All Mountain West, but uh, to everyone that watches Fresno State, I think, has got the reservations of, for Fafita, even if it's just from that Hawaii Bowl performance several years ago. Uh, I think but the the depth behind them is pretty young. Uh, they brought in Bobby Johnson. They've got David Patterson, but neither one of those guys has really made their claim for a starting spot. Um, just Northern, of course, is going to be solid at uh, the right tackle position. And then uh, I think Aaron Mitchell's going to be huge for this offense. So he's just yeah. like a sophomore, and I, I, I hope they didn't burn his redshirt year on one performance at uh, Southern Utah last year. I think that's the only game they haven't logged in. I, I, I kind of hope they look back and see if they made a mistake there. But um, I think he's going to be big at left guard. And 
Bonaheim back at center, of course, is pretty solid. And then we'll see how St. Andrew works out. It's just strange. Over 12 months, that such a transformation has occurred. And I know they really like Jacob Vasquez, who was the right guard uh, in the spring. I uh, didn't really get a chance to see too much of the freshmen that came in. I wouldn't imagine any of those guys comes in yeah. on the first team, maybe the second team. Isaiah Trevino might have been the one guy I thought, but he came in at 357. He's pretty big. I think he's got to cut some weight before he becomes a factor. Yeah, and you know, I, I, I what I want to talk about with Fafita is, you know, I, I, I think a lot, as you mentioned, a lot of Fresno State fans have mentioned that bowl performance. But, uh, you know, what what really bugged me last year, was more Fafita's cut blocking technique, and 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 what I noticed about it, and and all too often it it really wound up hurting Fresno when it went wrong, is that Fafita would miss the cut block, and and because of his size, and he's he's sort of a lumbering dude. Like if for those who've never seen Fafita, great dude, some of the best hair you'll ever see. But this guy is not an Olympic level gymnast in terms of of, <laughs> of gracefulness. Um, so there's that initial stage of awkwardness when he goes down, and it takes him a minute to get back up. And 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 obviously in a cut block situation, getting back up isn't necessarily your primary concern. But if you're not hitting that cut block out of the gate, then you do need to get back up. And all too often, I saw Fafita miss some of those cut blocks, which are pretty pretty crucial to this offense. And and I felt that when you're talking about that that weak side protection, that blind side protection. That's not a guy you can have missing his blocks and, and scrambling to try and get up and, and, and get back involved in the play. Um, from spring until fall now, because there's actually been talk that Fafita's made strides. What are some of those strides that you've seen? What sort of things have you seen him progress on as uh, you know from spring to fall? Uh, uh, Fafita, I'm going to have to spend some more time on the offensive line before I can – can make some of those judgment calls. Um, I, I did get to see the first team a little bit. Fafita, uh, the left tackle position in this offense is kind of tough because you need someone that's athletic enough to do the things Norcross wants to do in the spread offense, but at the same time has the prototypical left tackle kind of size to protect that blind side. So it, it's kind of a tough position to be in. Um, I think Fafita's gotten a little more athletic from what I can tell, and I don't see that job in, in any sort of jeopardy for him, but they need him, Bonaheim, and Northern for sure to to hold down the two ends in the center, and while the guards develop, whoever they end up being. And 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 the last thing I'll ask you about the the offensive line before we we sort of wrap up with with the DBs is is Micah St. Andrew. That's that's sort of that interesting one because at, at that right guard position coming in as much as he weighs, that's not exactly as limber. Uh, as you may want your right guard. Uh, but at the same time, he provides some anchored protection on that offensive line uh, that in theory ought to be immovable. Um, <laughs> at least for De Mountain, a lot of the Mountain West defensive ends. Uh, uh, what sort of addition do you see a guy like St. Andrews bringing to this line, at least in its overall ability and what sort of things would you do you definitely want to see improved out of that right guard spot before kickoff against Abilene Christian? Hmm. Well, he was listed on the roster last year at 360, I believe. 
And I asked Norcross, and he said that wasn't right. He was over at least 400, I believe, is what Norcross told me. And we, a lot of us in the media saw this 400-pound guy on the sideline last year and said, who the heck is that guy? How is he ever going to play football? He's ginormous. And uh, I think that's actually maybe a play in his favor now that he's he's been used to working at 400 pounds, and now he's dropped, it looks like, about 80 pounds or so. He's going to move faster than most 325-pound offensive linemen do. And he seems pretty athletic for his size. Uh, he looks very respectable in the shape he's in right now. He looks just like Tyler Davison, to be honest. He's got the same hair, and they got, kind of just look just, similar. He's just got that bulging <laughs> ass and huge thighs that just say, don't, don't mess with me. Like, pretty all. much. <laughs> like, basically, he's the guy you want to run behind if, 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 if you're a running back. Like, follow that dude's block. If you've ever seen Necessary Roughness, that's Manu Manu the Slender right there. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see how that plays out. I mean... The, the things that Fresno State, or at least Coach Norcross, has shown he likes to do, he likes to do some things you don't see every Saturday with the offensive line. You see guards pulling way out, trying to serve as lead blockers at times, and you got to be pretty dynamic. So I think it's going to show itself in the next week or two if he can pull it off or not, or they go back to Vasquez or find someone else that we haven't seen yet. Now, you know, b- before we wrap up here, I, d- I want to spend some time, a little bit of time talking about the cornerbacks. And the first thing I want to say is I'd actually gotten a, a couple of questions about Charles Washington uh, on the boards headed into the season. And, and one person actually messaged me. I'll keep their name out of it. But they messaged me wondering what the deal was with Washington and why, you know, there there was all this fluctuation and move and and I know that some people actually probably missed your answer to that question last year on the podcast. Uh, we talked about so many problems that they may not have even missed it. They just may have forgotten it about the 50 other problems we were talking about on that same <laughs> podcast. Um, but but I'll let you touch on that one uh, um, real quick. But before I get into my question, uh, Washington moving corner safety back to corner uh that wasn't because he was struggling, right? No, no, not at all. That was just due to uh, the talent they had at corner. They felt like it wasn't getting it done. And this goes back to another season before, I believe, uh, that Mountain West Championship game against Utah State. Uh, coming off the San Jose State loss, the defensive back play was so bad. They said, Charles, you're playing corner. We have a, a safety in Dalen Jones we like, and that's going to play your spot. And that defense worked, and that's kind of what they turned to again last season when things weren't going so well. And Charles Washington plays a pretty good corner spot. It was interesting hearing him in the, the Mountain West Media Days, I believe it was. Uh, he still kind of has that running back mentality, the position he played in high school. And he has it's still a learning process for him playing defensive back. and. Uh, I, Pat Hill caught a lot of flack when he redshirted him because the defensive back play that year was pretty bad too and now I can see definitely why if he's a senior he still feels like he's learning the position he wouldn't have been ready four years ago um, but the, the consequences of those moves appears to be pretty significant physical damage to his body I guess I, I haven't seen too many players make the moves back and forth between corner and safety and I don't know if it's unique to Charles or if it held a if that's kind of what happens with, with your hips and your uh, legs and such. But uh, it sounds like Charles 
at least from the spring, they said they're keeping him in that corner no matter what happens this year. And hopefully he develops even better than we've seen and he stays healthy at the same time. It feels like there's going to be some stability in that rotation. Um, you look at you, – you've got Charles Washington obviously locking down one corner spot, as you said, for the entire year. Uh, opposite him right now, you've got Jamal Ellis. Uh, but Malcolm Washington and, and Tank Kelly are, are, are right there, I feel like. Uh, and, and, and then at the safety spot, you obviously mentioned you're going to have Dalen Jones, and he's going to be backed up by a Bakersfield kid and Shannon Edwards. Uh, and then you've obviously uh, on the two deep for, for that, you've got Allen Wright and Stratton Brown coming in and then Mike Bell and Jalen Smith pulling uh, uh, third team duties. Um, which of those guys at safety on the second team do you think is not there at the end of the year to make way for either uh, Jalen Smith or Mike Bell? I'm not a big, nothing personal, but I'm not a big Stratton Brown fan. Just, I felt the times he got in last year was just very subpar, especially the Boise State game. Uh, what a coincidence. I, I asked the question with him in mind. <laughs> and, yeah, maybe that was – I'm thinking of a play where it, maybe it was oh, – I can't remember. They just – the Bulldogs got burned big time, and everyone kind of said Stratton was just – it was his first big opportunity, and he kind of wasn't uh, wasn't in on the communication. Maybe it was Nebraska, but uh, – other than that, all that impressed with him, and you've got another guy, Alan Wright, a year later, also a mid-year transfer. I think one of those two guys, at least, is going to pull out ahead of that, that second team and kind of demand themselves as a third safety, and maybe that fourth guy loses out to one of the freshmen. Yeah, and I kind of feel like uh, if – you know, looking at the abilities of both of those guys, if, if you were a betting man and, and I, well, let's just say I gave you $100 of my money to place on either Mike Bell or Jalen Smith, which guy in that spot do you think makes that leap? Because we talked, we hell, we actually talked to Mike Bell too, but uh, we mm -hmm. talked a lot about Mike Bell and, and there was a lot of hype about him. Like they're, there, even though San Diego State doesn't want to admit it, I think that's one that they're going to miss because I, I think that guy was ready to come in and, and, and make an impact. If nothing else, he was going to push somebody for, for their second team spot. Mm -hmm. I think I like Jalen Smith better as a safety, but I think Mike Bell is more physically ready and he might get the, the chance to go first. It may take some more development, but... Those are two guys I really like. I really like Jalen Smith's film. I think he's going to be solid. But again, agreed. Uh, we just we just had a commitment recently. People were uh, kind of bashing the size of the safety from Texas that just committed, and Jalen Smith is already on campus, and I think they're listed exactly the same. So he'll, I'm sure he'll get his chance, but it, he's going to have to play and deal with that size. Um, Mike Bell, I think, is more physically ready and. We'll see if the development comes along fast enough for them to get out, out on the field sooner. Now, you know, uh, all things in all, I, I feel like, you know, looking at this Bulldog team this year, I, I feel like there there's there's certainly a lot of question marks, and there's certainly every opportunity for this season to, 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 to run afoul in, in some areas, especially when you look at that tough early schedule and then some later contests uh, against some, some tough sledding teams. Uh, I, I still, however, am going to stick to my guns and say I feel like 
there's an enormous amount of potential on this Fresno State team that I don't feel is being reflected in any predictions by the media. Um, and, and, and rather than pick apart and say why the media sucks, um, I want to I, I want to ask a thoughtful question here and say, why do you think that is? Do, do you think it, it comes down to recruiting? Do you think it comes down to what these media people have seen for the past couple of years? Do you think it comes down to their belief in Nick Toth as a defensive coordinator combination? What, why, why do you, what would be your explanation for why, despite the recruiting classes and the talent brought in, people are so low on this program? I think just as far as national predictions go, I just don't think Fresno State on the radar. They take a look at last year's schedule and see six and eight, and uh, starting quarterbacks gone. You say, well, they won six out of fourteen. Maybe four out of twelve is a reasonable prediction for this squad. And uh, in the spring, I might not have uh, <laughs> might not have doubted that prediction too much, but the Bulldogs addressed most of their needs over the off season. They got some good senior college players in, so graduate transfer. I think they're in pretty good shape for this Mountain West. I think they're a lot better than I expected three days ago, and that's going to be a big thing for Fresno State to build their confidence. I think it's starting to roll, and it's not just drinking the Kool-Aid. I think this team is a much different football team in the spring. We'll see how they compare with five other Mountain West, West Division teams that are just as questionable across the board. But I'm a lot more confident in the Bulldogs now than I was, for sure. I think San Diego State is certainly a competitive team. I think Hawaii's added some immediate answers that uh, are going to, if they pan out, they can be up there. Yeah, they added quarterback Mark Wittick, apparently. Yeah, I mean, they they added quite a few transfers, quite a few late junior college players like Fresno State did. So I think if Chow's ever going to get that thing going, it's going to happen kind of rapidly with all the late additions they had in one year, either that or it'll all go downhill. <laughs> and then San Jose State's had a few good recruiting classes together, but uh, kind of hesitantly watching how they progress. And then UNLV, I think, uh, so we'll see how Sanchez does. But I think that process is going to take a couple of years. I, I think Sanchez is going to fail miserably, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, man, uh, I... I look at I look at Fresno State and I'm in that same boat as you. I, I I think that there's a whole lot of talent. I think that there were some definite concerns coming out of the spring, but when you look at the guys that they brought in, some of the areas that they addressed, and and you know, I'm actually going to write a piece on this because I don't think Fresno State truly gets enough credit for this. When you take a look at the guys that that Fresno State decides they're going to take a chance on, guys that they're going to take a look at, they take a they take a flyer on some risks. Now, say what you will about guy like Kurt Scobie not being here, they got him in. You know, Bobby Johnson, they got him in. Uh, some of these other guys, they got them in. Mike Bell got him in. Um, now you take a look at, at at guys that they passed up, and a guy like Deshaun Holmes. Uh, San Diego State couldn't even locate him. And now they finally got a hold of him, and Rocky Long's like, oh, yeah, he's not going to play. It's, it's, it's a paperwork deal. Hopefully he gets it in, which to me, that's recruiting coach talk for, I don't know if this guy's going to have the grades to ever play college ball. 
Like, he didn't get the paperwork in. I don't even know if he's got the pot passing paperwork. That's what that read like to me. Um, mm. But it's always interesting to me that people point out all of these areas where, where that the, the Fresno State it, it hasn't necessarily succeeded. But I think that they don't really get enough credit for doing a tremendous job of getting risky guys not only eligibility – but maintaining their eligibility throughout the process. And because of that, because of the way they strategically go about that, they've passed up on some guys that fans were frustrated about. But then in hindsight, when you look at what ended up happening, you're like, okay. Like I said, I, I think this Deshaun Holmes thing is just sort of a perfect script. Oh, crap, that guy's got serious talent. Let's look at his grades. Not going to happen. We'll just go ahead and take this Josiah Blandon kid. Oh, what's that? We can get LJ Reed? Okay. Like, I just, I feel like by sticking to their strategy of doing this, things have worked out for them. And as you pointed out, Jackson, they discovered what they could do using this method last year. It felt like this year was a year's worth of planning leading up to the kids that they were going to sign afterward. Like exactly. after you see what they exactly pulled, what sorry. Yeah. After you see what they pulled, you're like, oh, okay, they they had a plan. Talk to me a little bit about. I, do do you feel like there's not enough credit pay, given to Fresno State for for these the sort of fringe guys? Because as a mid major, that's what you have to do, and they're doing it. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Just because a lot of people kind of tune out after National Signing Day because you're used to that being the end of the recruiting period. And Fresno State added several guys after that. that I mean, especially at Fresno State, that's not used to being happening. But I know at least uh, one or two guys that Fresno State found last summer a year ago and they didn't have room for. And I think they said, hey, if we hold these camps and guys show up and we get some film of guys that qualify late in the process, we – we should hold some scholarships open and we can get solid guys that are maybe a year or two progressed already and more ready to come in and play right away. And that's exactly what they got in guys like Josiah Blandon. And I think yeah. the other thing to touch on that too is uh, the only three guys, I believe, of the class are not on the team right now. And two of those guys they expect to have at some point with Oglesby in a few days. And then what surprised me about Greeley, they were able to – get him committed to this plan to come in in January and not go the JUCO route and maybe get an offer better than Fresno State. Yeah, I, I, I think it's been absolutely um, – and, and real quick, I just want to ask you, what uh, what are you hearing on Bell? How How is that going to play itself out? On who now? Uh, uh, excuse me, L.J. Reed. Oh, L.J. Reed, yeah. I mean, the guy's huge. He's over 240 pounds, and he'd probably be the biggest tight end on the team if he just, if they put him at tight end. Uh, I think the plan for him is to be an outside receiver, but the guy could – he's just as big as all the tight ends, if not bigger, and it's not that. It's, the guy is just a big guy, and he's not really ripped either. It's just – he's just built big, and it's very evident. I mean, everyone kind of double-takes when he walked down the, in the practice just on uh, Thursday. It's just – it really stands it out, and I don't know. He wasn't on the first or second team. We'll see how it, it, he comes along. But what I saw in the position drills was some, some pretty significant talent, and I don't think it'll be very long before he's playing. 
yeah, that's a, that's a guy that I want to keep an eye on. Um, cool, man. Well, I, I mean, we're we're only in day one, so I feel like we could talk forever. And and I and I went and the reason I went a little long is because I know the fans are like, oh my god, real football. We're talking real football right now, like. <laughs> It's that time of year. You guys have waited long enough, so I wanted to give you guys, the fans, something of substance. We're going to make this one free. Um, you know, welcome back to football. Uh, any other newsworthy uh, uh, tidbits or notes from practice that, that you want to toss in? Uh, and then we'll sort of talk about what we're still working on. I think that's about it. I mean, uh, I've got a list on the insider board that's pretty long. I think. Uh, if I was a fan, I think I would appreciate it. It's got the first, second, and half of the third team, and then uh, a lot of notes and impressions. And that's just going to build because I'll be out there on Saturday and Sunday uh, taking notes, getting I didn't and touch too much up with on the Ryan. Yeah, Ryan was there today. He'll be there Saturday, and we'll probably do something video related uh, we've seen before. Um, and then, yeah, just. I haven't seen too much of the DBs or the O-line, so I'll spend some time doing that and then just getting as many impressions across the board as I can. Yeah, where are you guys going to go to dinner tonight? He said he's taking you out. Yeah, well, he already went to Doghouse, so uh, that was crossed off the list. I think we're going to Casa Corona. Uh, I told him I got the Derek Carr stamp of approval because I saw a car walking out of there one time I went before he hit it off to Oakland. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, if he was walking out of there, then that makes it okay. Uh, yeah, man, we, we've got a lot of crap coming up, and, and Jackson and I have something really cool that uh, is in the pipeline, something. And it's funny, too, because one of our posters – kind of guessed it but they completely missed out on 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 what it was like they were kind of right and then they then they went wrong um but yeah no we uh we're really excited about this we're 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 be i i, I think that that should be wrapped up by the end of this weekend i believe um and, and so we'll have some cool news for you guys coming uh, with regard to Central Valley coverage, uh, like I said, Jackson or like Jackson said, he and Ryan will be out there all weekend long getting video footage. Basically, you name it, we're going to have it. Uh, and and the Red Wave and uh, Bulldog Blast podcast will be back in full swing uh, this year. So, uh, you know, just keep it right here uh, at BarkBoard.com. And uh, on that note, man, I, I think that we're basically good to go. Uh, what, Jackson, as, as we wrap things up here, what are you working on this week? Yeah, well, I'll have uh, practice reports uh, after each one on that. And uh, each time I'm there, I get two interviews with athletes that I'll be turning into some sort of feature, at least some noteworthy stuff to post on the boards. And I've got some, uh, I've got that new camera I purchased, and uh, I think uh, you'll like the photos I put up on the board. Uh, it was a little muggy and cloudy out on the first day of practice, so they'll get better. But, uh, yeah, definitely the coverage from practice coming out uh, every time I'm out there. And for myself, I've got a Mountain West preview that I'll be doing. Uh, I obviously just wrote one up on why San Diego State will fall short to the Mighty Bulldogs. Uh, but I'm also still working on a huge thing that Jackson, myself, and Lucio have put a ton, a ton of time into. That will likely be dropped. Look for that toward the end of the month. We're going to drop that in segments. Um, 
But yeah, we, we've been working on something really huge. Uh, and so we can't wait to unveil that with you guys. And I'll be back with Lucio at some time this week for a Red Wave report. And other than that, that is all we got here on the Bulldog Blast podcast. We will catch you next time. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.